Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Joining me tonight on the podcast is Moore Park head basketball coach Ryan Moore. And Ryan's been around high school and college basketball for, for several years, being at a couple different places. Ryan, thanks for taking the time tonight. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Now, you, how are you hanging in there with uh, all this madness going on? you got a seven-month-old at home. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, we're, I guess, you know, we're lucky. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's happy. Um, I think my wife wishes I was back at practice almost as much as I do uh, sometimes. But, uh, you know, considering the alternatives, everything is, is very good here. But just, uh, you know, trying to find a way to stay, stay active and, and stay connected to the team and the program and continue to grow through, uh, you know, something I don't think any of us ever saw coming. What are you doing with your team? I, I see a lot of stuff online with guys doing, you know, exercise challenges. But how, how do you keep a team sharp, even though this would probably be your end of the season, you know, off season? Yeah, you know, we were, unfortunately, our season ended a little earlier than we anticipated this year. So um, we were just starting to do spring workouts and have some open gym uh, situations when this all hit. And I, I was encouraged. Things were going well guys were upbeat guys were positive in this hit and you know now we, we we've had a couple of uh, team meetings via zoom um just to stay connected just to talk just to check in and just to see each other you know even if we can't physically be around each other just staying connected a little bit's important some guys have asked for workouts and we've given them to them um some guys you know that's the last thing on their mind right now they're they're stressed out about this and so we don't try to bombard them with basketball uh just you know maintain a relationship let them know we care let them know they can talk to us kind of outside you know who they're face to face with every day uh if they kind of need an outlet or need to ask some questions uh one of our guys is organizing a Fortnite tournament for the for the entire program <laughs> uh which which will be fun i'm sure uh we did i had our first uh uh preseason you know planning and goal setting meeting with one of our players today via zoom and we've got those set up throughout the week so you know really just using technology the best we can to, to make the best of a strange situation a crazy situation now you are a, you're a Crespi alum as as am I I'm a few years before you <laughs> but you were 98 and your brother Andrew 01 when you guys were there did you get a chance to play on the same team together you know we didn't it was a you know, high school sports were so much different back then. Um, there was kind of a, I don't know if it was an official policy, uh, but there was a, you know, freshmen don't play varsity kind of thing uh, at that time on just rare, rare situations. And so uh, we played some summer league games together here or there, um, you know, when we needed a few extra bodies because football guys were missing or whatever. But in terms of regular season, not really. Uh, or not at all, um, but his JV team was him, uh, a guy by the name of Mike Luter, who ended up transferring to Notre Dame and being really good over there, and then Greg Gunther, who went on to play football and basketball at SC, and so their JV team was was pretty good all on their own. Again, Greg went to Taft as well. I met him um, 
couple of years ago, he came to our school and, and did some stuff through a thing called the Iron Man Project. And we had a great mm-hmm. talk about Crespi and Taft and, you know, just the, the whole thing. Now, what were the strengths of your game and your brother's game? And, and who was better? <laughs> well, I like to take credit for, for how, how good he ended up being. Uh, you know, I think us older brothers take pride in, in the beatings we were able to, you know, kind of dole out in the driveway growing up. Um, he was definitely the more skilled player. He was always, he was three years younger, but he was always, when I was growing up playing, he was always at our practices and uh, then going to his own and always at our games and then going to his own and doing all that. I think, you know, that's a huge luxury. Um, you know, I was, I was a shooter. I, I was a gunner. Uh, Andrew was definitely more of a complete player that could shoot it still. Uh, he was bigger, stronger, faster, uh, just in every, every way, shape, or form. He was a better athlete. Um, but I wouldn't mind uh, a little five-spot stationary shooting competition every now and then. I think I could hang with him in that. At what point did he or did you kind of see, uh-oh, I better get my licks in now because he's going to pass me up soon? Uh, probably my junior year of high school when he was in eighth grade. And, uh, you know, we saw high school around the corner and, and – uh, you know, Shamanad High, ironically, was really good at that time. And he had a bunch of friends that were going there um, that were trying to get him to go there. And my parents were just in love with uh, the mission of Crespi. And basketball was kind of secondary. You know, they figured if, if academics and the mission of the school were lined up, you know, it was up to me and him to figure out basketball. Um, and so junior year, he was uh, coming and playing pickup, I was, you know, I was driving and he would come play pickup with us in the spring and summer at Crespi. And I kind of went, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm glad I'm getting out of here because it's his turn. And, I, you know, I, my friends and I all joke and I'm not sure we're really joking. If if freshmen had been on varsity for us at Crespi at the time, I might not have played at all my senior year. Cause he there would have been a guy named Moore on the team, but not yeah, <laughs> Yeah, there would have been a Moore, but it, it might have been a Moore, not R Moore. So, uh, you know, he was just he was just a special, special player. And I'm biased as his brother, but the things he was able to do uh, in high school and then in college were, were a lot of fun to watch. And you both went on to play in college. You went up to Cal Maritime, and, and he obviously went to USC. Um. Did you guys play for Dick Dornan or Russell White? Uh, I played for Pat Urena my first three years, and then uh, Dick's first year as the head coach was my senior year, and then Andrew played for Dick all four years. Fat Pat Urena went to Fairfield. He was in my grade. Well, and he was Fairfield's all-time leading scorer when he left there, you know. And I mean, he yeah. would shoot the lights out. Yeah, he used to like to give me a hard time if uh, – if there had been a three-point line when he was playing, records have been so far out of touch, and we found a, a couple tapes sometime, and he wasn't wrong. No, he was not. He would he would shoot it from the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, would you learn? What did you take from that group of coaches as you moved forward? You know, I I, I want to give a little bit of love to the guy Crespi before Coach Arena. You know, Coach Muff was such a a, a powerful presence at Crespi. Um, and such a great personality and such a great teacher of the game and, you know, a big, you know, culture builder. And, and the program really took a hit when he passed away uh, when I was in eighth grade, um, you know, but being able to go to Crespi's camps and hang around, you know, Coach Arena was the assistant and his wife and my mom were teaching together at a Catholic grammar school. So 
So getting to be around Cresty, you know, and, and not knowing at the time that it was Coach Muff's last hurrah, but, um, you know, getting to see that was really impressive. Uh, Coach Urino was a guy that really helped uh, drive home, you know, what work ethic was and what it really meant to get something done in the gym, not be just in there, you know, chucking up meaningless shots. He was a guy that obviously put in a ton of work as a player and, um, really taught me, you know, how I can get, you know, I don't need to, you don't need to be in the gym for two hours if you're in there for an hour and really getting it done. Um, you know, and then, and then senior year, uh, you know, playing for a new coach was a challenge on all sides of the equation. Um, you know, definitely had a lot of fun. Um, you know, Cresty's a, a, a place where brotherhood isn't just preached, but it's lived and it's, it's a big part of what goes on. So getting to go through that uh, with guys that are still some of my best friends to this day uh, was an unbelievable experience. Yeah, it's it's crazy how when I go back and do a, a football game there and you see all the alums and everything, and uh, it's it's it, it, it's great to see people and catch back up with them. Now, how did you get into coaching? You went to Cal Maritime, obviously graduated, played there. How did you get into coaching? Well, I, I played for a guy, Cal Maritime, right like three, four years before I got there was a perennial bottom of the NAIA, zero wins, one win, two wins a year. Um, and they hired a guy by the name of Dan Dion to come be the head coach. Um, and Dan had been an assistant at New Mexico State when they were really good and a couple other Division One schools. And had kind of left college coaching and, and gone into a, you know, affectionately a real career, uh, you know, an honest job and started a family and did all that. And Maritime called and, uh, you know, Dan was in sports, you know, for an NAI school at that time to be in Sports Illustrated, there was no, you know, it's not like Sports Illustrated had, had a Twitter account in 2001, two, and, you know, information was instant, you know, it was a big deal when a small school was in Sports Illustrated and, I, they, you know, I, it was just a little blur, but, you know, Dan took him from two wins the previous year to like 21 wins his first year with no recruiting class. Um, and so went, went up there to play for Dan, got hurt, wasn't very good to begin with, but got, but got hurt. And that was pretty much the end of my career. But Dan uh, was always really good to me, um, got me coaching some camps over the summer. I was back home. Uh, actually out celebrating my 21st birthday with my Cresty classmates. And we ran into Russell White uh, and his Calabasas coaching staff at the time. And Russell got me connected to work another camp in the Valley. And that ended that turn that snowballed into me working for Russell White, my first year coaching at Calabasas high school. So, um, you know, kind of it's just small coaching world. And Russell had been an assistant at Chaminade when I was a player at Cresty. So, um, you know, just right time, right place. Lucky, lucky to know the right people and, and guys that, you know, kind of stuck their neck out for me when I didn't have any idea what I was doing or any resume uh, at all at that point. And it's, it's all what, you know, not, it's all who, you know, not what, you know. Um, yep. So you started Simi Valley and then take me through, cause then you did some stints in college and back to high school. Um, the difference between high school and college. And, you know, when we, when people look at college, they think the big name schools, obviously, but, you know, you were at USF, which is, you know, best known for Bill Russell, but 
you know, Occidental, not a lot of people know about Occidental. What was the difference between the two schools and, and high school and college? Absolutely. Well, you know, I was lucky enough that, that I worked for a guy at Simi Valley that always had my best interest at heart. So when it was time uh, for me to kind of leave the nest and, and spread my, he was, he was the one, you know, nicely, but forcefully pushing me out of the nest saying, Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's time to try something here. And uh, I, you know, been coaching AAU and working with, you know, Adidas at that time closely and, I uh, got to know a couple college coaches and the USF thing just worked out and um, got to work for, you know, one of the greatest players in Kansas history was our head coach at USF, Rex Walters. Um, and most of our staff, I think I was one of two guys that didn't have a direct, you know, connection to Kansas or Coach Williams. And, uh, you know, just getting to see the way they did things. And USF, it, right now, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of where the program is right now. I still watch them and root for them on TV. But you're seeing a lot of things. I, I don't know how many years later it is now, eight, nine years later. Um, you're seeing a lot of things take place at USF now where the, you know, the seeds were kind of sown when Rex was there and, I, you know, the, and the athletic director there. And, and you know, fundraising was kicking back up and all that. But USF was a real you know, low major program and a powerful mid-major conference when we were there. And you're competing with Gonzaga and BYU and St. Mary's who – at worst, they're going to just outspend you on everything. And um, when they don't outspend you, they outwork you and they outtalent you. And no matter how hard you work, they've got nine more guys doing the job of one guy, you know, at your place. And um, it was just fascinating. San Francisco is a, a great city for kids to go to school in. And it was a great school to work at. And, and, and things there are really taking off. And Coach Golden's doing a great job there. Um, you know, but to, but to compete with the heavyweights there, USF has to continue to invest, invest, invest in facilities and staffing and travel and recruiting budget. And, you know, um, it, it, it was it was it was an it was an eye opener for sure that, you know, you know, not all D1s are created equal, but just the gap between the haves and the have nots. And it, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing at that level. And everybody thinks you go to a Division One school, you're going to get all kinds of gear. You're going to travel over the, all over the country. Everything's great, but that that's it's kind of like high school these days. It's just not the case. A hundred, a hundred percent, I agree with you. And I try, you know, and then you know, you move on to Occidental, and you're trying to explain that to guys in the recruiting process that are maybe fringe, high academic Division One guys or Division One walk-on type guys, and you're trying to get them to come to a Division Three school and really be a difference maker. Um, and you're trying to explain that to them without sounding completely self-serving uh, through the recruiting process, which is a challenge. And, and some guys get it, some guys don't. And some guys get it and that, you know, they just want the D1 experience no matter what. But, you know, because you see Duke Carolina on TV, I mean, that's, that's the 1% of the 1%. And then, you know, you turn on, you know, Big Monday late at night and you're seeing Gonzaga St. Mary's, that's still not indicative of what a lot of division one experiences are on a nightly level you know you you go to and no disrespect to these programs these coaches and players are working their tails off i'm not knocking the talent level at all but if you go to i i remember we, you know we played at pepperdine on a thursday night and i mean i could hear the conversation going on across the gym from our bench you know there's nobody there and so i think that's you know that's not to knock the talent level that's not to knock the work ethic of anybody involved at that there's it's 
it's an unbelievably tough sell and you find out which players really love the game when you when you remove you know the fame aspect from it if you will when you when you don't have you know in high school those guys were all the man everybody's chanting their name every night if if you if you go to a game and there's 100 150 people there and half of them are invested and half of them aren't you find out who really wants to compete and who really wants to work the next morning and who you know who really loves the game not just kind of the attention it brings them and and for a coach to to find those kids that really do that that's got to be a real treat for them but then again it's also an opportunity for people to say hey you know what I, it doesn't matter who's watching me as long as I'm out there and the coach is watching me because the coach knows other people that can help me either further my career or help me when I'm when my playing days are over. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's more guys are like that, that, that play for the right reasons and work for the right reasons and do it the right way. Um, you know, but, but unfortunately, you know, in recruiting at the division one level, you get it wrong. It, it, it can ripple through your whole program quickly. Um, you know, for guys that, you know, these days with social media, they get famous at a younger age, faster than ever before. And, you know, you go to a higher level and you're not quite ready or you're not quite prepared for adversity. It, 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 it presents a challenge in a hurry for some of those guys emotionally. Um, and that's, that's always tough to watch someone go through. Is all the social media and hyping, because I know that there's a, a lot of money in the, in the club and the AAU and, and to get a kid into your program, no matter what it is, all the hype that people put out and they put out the highlight videos and the YouTube stuff, is, is that bad or is it good? Can I be politically correct and say both? I think, I think it's good in terms of I get to see, as a high school coach, I know more about other, forget scouting purposes, but just conversationally you know with other coaches in other areas i i know more about a player's game because there are there is there are clips on youtube and you do get to see more and you're not just reading the street and smith magazine recruiting breakdowns and rankings and you know bob gibbons blue ribbon basketball and trying to figure out you know is this guy in chicago better than this, this guy in la you you get to find out now which is absolutely exciting i think the downside is kids get Kids think that adulation's always going to be there, no matter what, or they they start to think that social media is real, um, and it's not always indicative of the real world or the way things are going to go. And I think uh, it's adults setting young people up for failure is is the major you know problem with it, propping them up on highlight tapes. When I mean, I got to the point when we were at Occidental, you know, and we were a high academic and and rigorous admission standards and on and on and on but you know you'd see a highlight tape that was dramatically different from the game tape and presented a, a dramatically different version of, you know or, or view of that player and you know i think it's good i think it, it connectivity and an exchange of ideas and an exchange of uh knowledge is is a good thing but that doesn't always mean it's it's used for you know good purposes and proper purposes so there's definite risks and downside to it as well. Yeah, there is good and bad. We're going to take a break right now. Uh, throwing a couple commercials here. What's up? Super excited about the new sponsor for our show. Style is changing. Formal wear is out and the t-shirt is in. True Classic Tees are my favorite. It's based in LA, a t-shirt company on the rise. Now, me personally, 
I don't wear a lot of collared shirts or anything. I'm a t-shirt guy. These shirts are soft. They hold up in the wash. They're versatile. Wear them out. Wear them to work out. Wear them around the house. And the best part is they're incredibly cheap, $15. And now you can get them for even less. Go to the trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout BLEAV for 20% off. That's BLEAV at trueclassictees.com. And while you're waiting this out at home with us, you still have some fun at betonline.com. No March Madness, that sucks. But betonline.com still has hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. In sports, they're not totally done. There's MMA. There's American Idol. I guess you can bet on who's going to win that. The elections, the National Spelling Bee, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. I'll go with Joey Chestnut again. There is still fun to be had, so go to betonline.com and use the promo code MYPOD, M-Y-P-O-D 100, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. For my listeners, 50% off with your promo code MYPOD100. Joining me, Ryan Moore. Um, the whole AAU thing we talked about a little bit. And does is, is that kind of, and I, it was a great answer, and I, I like the answer, but do you see a lot of these AAU coaches kind of steering kids now towards certain schools? Like, hey, I got six kids on my team going here playing for this coach. You, you should go here. Do, do you see a lot of that? Currently, at my current job, no, I don't. Uh, I know it exists. I know it's out there. I've been on the other side of it, um, where someone it feels like someone's always trying to broker a deal, or you're not really sure why. Uh, you know, why do you want to bring six kids to this program? You know, and, and sometimes it's because that program has a lot of success. Sometimes it's because that coach is well connected. You hope it's because the school provides an educational experience that's going to make these kids' lives better in the long run. But that's, you know, sometimes those discussions don't get, that line of discussion doesn't get brought up. Um, You know, I I mean, there's, there's great AAU coaches out there and there's, there's some knuckleheads and there's some great high school coaches out there and there's some knuckleheads. Um, You know, the, the brokering of, you know, the fab five to, to one school or the other, you know, this is definitely more of a buddy-buddy generation where it happens, whereas I think in years gone by, guys go, no, I'm going to go there and do my thing, and let's, I'll see you on Friday nights. Um, you know, it doesn't happen as much anymore. The super team era is here for sure. Yeah, it's not gone are the days of I'm going to go make my name here and I'm going to go put this program on the map. Um, what's changed for you the most over the years as a coach? That's a good question. Um, I think, I think how you, uh, you know, your, your amount of communication with parents has definitely changed. You know, when I first started coaching and, uh, you know, coaching for a guy with a strong personality like Russell White, um, you know, there's minimal parental interaction at that point beyond walking in and out of a gym or a a designated, you know, group team parent meeting. Um, I think now you've got to be way more proactive with parental communication. You've got to uh, be way more willing to have one-on-one conversations. And, and let me, let me be clear. The Russell of 20 years ago is not the Russell of today. I I, I don't mean to say, you know, he was, 
he hasn't updated at all. Um, you know, and I, and he's one of the guys that I think I helped that helped teach me how to evolve in that area. Um, you know, I worked for a guy at Simi, Christian Aran, that, you know, we jokingly called the mayor. Um, but we didn't have a ton of parent meetings when we were at Simi. Things have just changed. You have to, you have to keep mom and dad in the loop. And, and if it's not just in the loop, you got to keep mom and dad on board because, you know, a lot of times you lose mom and dad these days, you lose the player in a hurry and not just emotionally, but they're in this day and age, they're leaving your school in a hurry um, if mom and dad aren't happy. And a lot of times, unfortunately, you leave mom and dad out of the loop, then you're out of a job. Yep. 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 That's for sure. And I think that's one of the the unfortunate things about not only basketball, but high school athletics in general. Um, You find your way to Moore Park and you've been there for a couple of years. How did you find your way out there? You know, I was I was out of coaching for a year and thought I was done. Like just thought, you know what, it, it kind of, you know, was at Occidental, had a great thing going. We we're having a, a ton of success building that program back up. I, I was our recruiting coordinator. Uh, I was loving rec- the kids and families we were recruiting there. Um, just having a blast. And our head coach called me in at the end of one season and basically said, look, I know you want to be a head coach, but I've, he's still there right now. And, and, you know, I thought he might be at the end of his rope uh, when I was there. And, uh, you know, he just said, I, I, I don't think it's going to be here for a while. I care for you. I want to be honest with you. And, and okay. And so the Chaminade job opened up and took that and probably didn't have my, my head up and my eyes open to the situation we were walking into, but uh, it was a great learning experience and, and still have a lot of love for a lot of the kids and a lot of the families over there. But uh, when that ended, kind of thought maybe I took my shot at this and I'm done, um, you know. And then my wife, who was my girlfriend and fiance through that process, kind of nursed me back to health and said, "Well, maybe you're not done with this." And you know, had, she had a couple of conversations with a couple of my friends without me knowing, and a couple of them, "Hey, why don't you come work out a few guys?" And slowly and gradually got back in the gym. Um, and Paul Tate at Heritage Christian, who's been, you know, we kind of came up as assistant coaches in the Valley area together. And uh, uh, he reached out and said, hey, why don't you come help out at Heritage this year? And at first it was just show up when you can. And I think Paul and my wife both knew it was going to turn into much more than that pretty quickly. And uh, they were smarter than I was and uh, end up having a blast over there and really thought, you know what, I was having a great time being good cop. Uh, I didn't have to, you know, make any of the final decisions. I could work kids out, help with game planning, uh, you know, pick kids up on the bench when they came out of the game. But I never had to be the bad guy. And and coming off my previous situation, that was kind of a, a shot in the arm for me and, and kind of thought maybe I'll just hang out at Heritage and do this. And didn't really have plans to get back into it. And the Moore Park job opened up and I knew some people in the community and I knew one of the administrators who had been the athletic director at Simi Valley when I was there and things just kind of fell into place despite, uh, to be honest with you, my, my resistance at first to, to jump back into being a head coach. And um, the more I talked to people in Moore Park, the more I talked to people about Moore Park, the more I talked to our administration at Moore Park through that process, it just, it really became obvious that it was the perfect place to, to kind of put down some roots and stay a long time and try to see if we can build this up to have some sustained success. Cause there's been periods of success in our past, but you know, nothing really sustained long-term and 
Um, the challenge of doing that at a place with the support like we have just kind of made it a no-brainer once we started diving into everything. And when you get to Moore Park, you find a familiar face here, Tim Linz, who was at Crespi, yep. and longtime football coach. Well, I, I think one of the best, most underrated football coaches in, in, in the entire state of California. Um, and, and one of the best people you'll ever run into. But how much of a benefit was it that you knew Tim, that you could lean on Tim to find out about the school, to find out about the program, to find out about the kids and to run your weight move program? You know, it, it's you, you can, I can't overstate enough uh, what a luxury that was. And um, unbeknownst to me, more park found out that I knew Tim and they, they base, I mean, Tim, he would never tell it to you like this and he doesn't act like this and he has no air or arrogance or attitude about him in any way, shape or form, but he still very much has a, has a power seat at, at the table in more park. And, uh, you know, they had to get Tim to sign off on the new basketball coach. I don't know if that's the language they would use, but, um, you know, I had to have Tim seal of approval and Tim, you know, gave it to me. I probably owe him a steak dinner or two still here, but, uh, um, and then, you know, once getting hired to have him running our weight program for our guys and just being able to lean on him and, you know, get to know the community and, and, and what's important and, and how the community works and how the community supports the programs and how we can be better at that. Um, Tim's just been an unbelievable resource and above all that as you know you know forget who he is as a teacher a coach a strength coach uh you know coaching i can't believe i i, I get to work in the same athletic department as tim because he's still coach lens uh to me but above all that just the man he is and the values that just come radiating through him without him ever having to preach um you know it's just something we all aspire to be yeah, and his, his record speaks for itself. And speaking of records, Moore Park, before you got there, the two years before you got there, 7-43. and 43. You go 21-10 and 10 your first year. What happened? How did I? You know, we talk about culture and we talk about, you know, building programs and stuff like that. But from seven wins in two years to 21-1, and one, that's pretty amazing. Well, and I, I'm going to say this to you, and this is, I, I don't want this to sound self-serving. This isn't about me, and I'll, and I'll go into all the hows and the whys, but it's, it's a little deeper than that, too. They won 19 games the previous three years, and in our first year together, we found a way to win 21. Now, let's not shy away from reality. We had, we had Drake London, who, in my opinion, yeah. is the best two-sport athlete in the country, and anybody that says otherwise, I, I – I'm ready to fight, <laughs> you know. Hey, um, no, I, I saw him play a lot of football, and I'll, I'll back you up on that one too. He, uh, I, and I think people underrate what a talented basketball player he is because the basketball program at Moore Park just hadn't put him on a platform uh, to excel like the football program was at the time. Um, but we had, you know – you know, Tim and, and the administration and everybody was great. You know, you go through the interview process and you go, okay, you know, you're all excited and it's, it's your new toy and you're hiring a staff and you're guys you can trust and work with. And, you know, everybody's excited and you start working out and everything's great. And, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, sifting through the weeds a little bit, you know, who's, who's on board and who's not, and you're figuring this out and that out. And, 
um, we just had an unbelievable group of families. And for me, it, it just, I, I don't want to say they took the lead because they would hate it, but because they were, they were so, they're so great about being, you know, one with the program and, and keeping everybody on a high level. But the first parents I met with were the Lundings and they were shocked that I asked to meet with them privately before we had a huge parent meeting. And they, they were looking at me like, coach, why, why do you want to meet with us? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know you know the right things to say, but come on, like, you know, why I want to meet with you. And so, you know, hey, is Drake going to still play basketball? Yeah, coach, he's going to play basketball. Okay, it's easy to say all the right things. You, you just keep thinking these people can't be real. You know, they, they, they can't be as genuine and they can't be as real as they are. And so finally, I just point blank asked them, I said, look, if you're going to transfer, will you just do me a favor and let me know? So I, I said, I don't want to find out on Twitter. Just let me know because the rumors are out there. You're going to this school, you're going to that school. This school's offered this, this school's offered that. I said, just let me know so I'm not surprised, you know, so I don't find out from the kids at practice or something. And his dad almost fell out of his chair laughing. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, you know, they're already out of here and he just doesn't care. Yeah. And, and he goes, coach, if we haven't left yet, we're not leaving now. We're all in. And I'm going, I still couldn't believe these people were real after meeting with them for half an hour. And the more we went on and the more we talked and then diving in, you know, his recruiting process was already rolling, but kind of offering to help the family and, you know, bridge the communication gap sometimes that exists between teenage boys and their parents when they talk to college coaches and this, that, and getting to know them through that. And I mean, shoot, they're young. Drake is their youngest kid. He's at SC this year, having the year he's having in football. And his mom texts me, and I want to say, I could be, this could be hyperbole, but I'll, the way that I'm going to remember the story was after Drake goes out and has, has a great game against UCLA, uh, and wins that game and his mom texts me like hey coach don't forget you know put us on the snack bar schedule this year what, what? You know, <laughs> they don't have a younger kid in the program they have no reason to help out and so I tell you all that I don't want to you know they, they don't view themselves as the Pied Piper of anything they they you know but I mean the Pepperdine soccer coach his kid plays for us and so we've got you know, another coach sitting in the stands at night, you know, at night when parents, you know, may grumble a little bit, you know, he does a good job and, and we don't have any grumbling. I'm, I'm sure not everybody agrees with everything I do, but we've got a great group of families and that's really to give you the long winded version of it. You know, we had, you know, we had a great group of senior families that just wanted something a little bit more than they had. And it wasn't easy. They didn't always love that. I was telling their kids we were going to meet at six o'clock to get shots up and, you know, hey, we're going to do this and hey, we're going to do that. It was a little more taxing on them at times than they were used to. Um, but they bought in and they understood that more needed to be done. And, uh, you know, we had Noah Matera go on. He's playing baseball or what, you know, before it got canceled, he was pitching at UNLV as a freshman this year. And, um, you know, just the Nepstads and the Shores and, and the Odoms, you know, that was a great group of senior families and it trickled down to the Andersons and the Wards and the Halls and the Parrots and the Brooks and the Vogels. And, you know, I could just go on and on about the families and the Bearcats, the, the families in our program that, that make things go. Um, that's why our culture is able to thrive and able to excel because we don't, we don't get a lot of grumbling on the car ride home with, I can't believe your coach did this, or I can't believe your coach did that, you know, um, like I said, they may not always agree, but I don't think we're getting uh, second guessed and called names on the car ride home. I think it, it's supportive. And when they do have questions, they ask them at an appropriate time. And we all 
handle it and move forward together because we all I, I have no doubt that our families, our players, our administration and the town, you know, want more park basketball to be good now and long term and consistently. And so if we all work backwards from there, we tend to end up on the same page. And that's got to be just incredibly refreshing for you that you're kind of just allowed to go out and coach basketball and, and make a, create a positive experience for the kids. It's great. And it's, it, you know, it's not with the, and it's not that it's not without conflict and it's not that it's not, um, you know, but growth comes from conflict sometimes. And, and that conflict doesn't always have to be uh, me versus you or you versus me. Sometimes that's us versus our circumstances and, and outworking our current reality. And, um, you know, I, I said, you know, I, they didn't write me a literal blank check uh, when I got to Moore Park. But in terms of support, our administration has backed our staff and our decisions and our, you know, our path that we're trying to pave here uh, 100%. And, and our athletic director and our principal and our assistant principals are unbelievable people to work around. And that's great because you know, you're on social media, I'm on social media, we're all out in the coaching community, we just hear these horror stories. And that, that's awesome for you. Now, you're a head coach, your brother is a head coach. I know that up, up where I am, Mike Harrington and Dean Harrington, both head football coaches would never play each other. Will you and Andrew ever set up a, you know, a home Russell White, of all people put, you know, we, we entered Russell's fall event at Calu. And so Russell, uh, I don't think it took him more than two seconds to decide more park and Crespi were going to square off in the fall right there. Um, regular season wise. I think, I think we're at different points right now. I think, um, you know, Crespi is a more established brand uh, playing in a, in a division one level every year when it comes to the playoffs. I'm not sure, you know, we're, we're quite a division one team just yet. Um, and, and so playing, we may pile up too many playoff points. I, I'm, we've discussed doing a, uh, you know, like a joint practice and, uh, you know, kind of a, a controlled scrimmage here or there, but regular season lacing them up. Uh, I, I, let's, I don't know if we're going to put my mother through that just yet. <laughs> um, how much do you guys communicate bouncing ideas off of each other, watching film together? Um, kind of helping each other out. Is that a common thing or does Andrew let you do your thing and you, and you let him do his thing? Um, a little of both. I mean, we both had, you know, I mean, they, they turned it around and they got going and they, they won some games late and, uh, uh, you know, went on a little run there in the playoff, a little, little short run. Um, you know, we were having a tough year with a young team this year down the stretch. And so I think there's game nights where you're not quite sure, you know, I'd, first thing I'm doing is checking Twitter to check their score after we're done. And, you know, one stretch I'm seeing, they lose a tough one in overtime and they lose another one at the buzzer and they lose this. And it's some, sometimes it's like, well, that's my brother and I love him, but I'll hit him in the morning. I don't know what to say to him right now. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm yeah. texting his wife, like, Hey, how's he doing? Is he okay? And I think he was texting my wife, like, Hey, keep his head up. Like, you know, keep, keep moving forward. Um, and we, we check in through the day and we'd share film um, you know, on non-league opponents and tournament opponents and, um, and all that. Um, you know, I picked his brain for years when he was doing player development stuff with NBA guys, uh, how to approach the off season. How do I get this guy better at that? How do I motivate this guy? How do I, 
you know, how do I pace this guy's off season? Um, I don't know that he really had a need to pick my brain at those times, but I think that's coming back around a little bit. I get a few questions here or there about, about scheduling and what do you know about this team and what film system are you using? And what about this tournament? What about that tournament? What do you know about this coach? And, um, you know, we get, we get all that, uh, all that going now. He said the other day, uh, we were hanging out at my mom's before all this started. And, uh, he said, God, he goes, it felt like every tournament I went to this year, the first thing someone said to me was, ah, I know your brother. And I said, well, some of them, is, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. <laughs> uh, you know, but I said, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'd, I'd be upset if nobody knew me. So uh, we'll play at some point, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if my mom can handle it right now. Well, maybe she will. She saw you play in the driveway. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned player development, and you were the director of operations for – impact basketball a lot of high level players what did you take from that that you can now give to high school kids as far as not only the life lessons but the hey guys i've seen nba players up close and personal and we got a lot of work to do here well that's you know and drake and i had a very frank conversation uh both directions uh at one point behind closed doors about that and um you know, uh, one of the things I always appreciated about Drake was his directness and his honesty and then his, his willingness to do it in an appropriate fashion. But we had a talk. I said, look, I'm not saying that everybody that comes through Park has to be a guy that's going to go through the draft process and be a 10 year impact basketball client. That's not what we're saying. But that level of accountability and the level of intensity it takes and the level of commitment it takes, you know, nutrition wise and strength conditioning wise and you know, one thing we're big on our guys with is their commitment to recovery. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to come in the gym and work hard, but to waste that, to go, you know, to go home and have a Mountain Dew and, and chips, you know, you just wasted your whole workout. You know, go home and ice bath and, and have a, a protein shake. Or, you know, we talk to our guys all the time, ice bath and chocolate milk. Our guys are sick of hearing me talking about ice bath and chocolate milk after a tough workout, but really just – you don't have to be a pro to approach things like a pro. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to want to be a pro that does, you, you may not even want to be a college basketball player, but you know, while you're at Moore park, you're going to work uh, to, to a pro standard in terms of uh, accountability and effort and commitment and uh, you know, dedication to the process. And you're going to take care of yourself because basketball is going to end one day. Taking care of yourself is not. Absolutely. Um, hey, coach, I, you know, I, we could go, I could go on all night talking to you about high school basketball and everything. But one thing I like to do with everybody before I let them go is a quick five questions and just answer whatever comes to your mind. All right. Most points you scored in a game. 22. Uh, first video game console unit you ever had? Oh, I had the original Sega before Genesis. Uh, if you are on a desert island and you get an entire record collection from three artists, who are you taking? I'm going to have to go the Rolling Stones, Tupac Shakur, You know, I'm going to have to go Maxwell, a little R&B. That's three very different genres. Very. You get to attend one sporting event. 
Which one are you going Final to? Final four. Final four, hands down. And your favorite thing to do with your seven-month-old Tommy? <laughs> I'm trying to toss a basketball and see if he'll just catch it or prop it up right now. But really, he's uh, I, I we were just getting into it during the conference tournaments. But him falling asleep, taking a nap, uh, watching games is absolutely priceless. That's that's awesome. Well, you know, I you you told me that I should get in touch with with uh, Joe Abinasser one day, and um, I'm definitely going to do that. And I, I'm going to want to talk to your brother, and uh, hopefully our paths cross in the future. And you know, keep it rolling out there in in, in Moore Park. And I look I look forward to our next conversation. Always, and if I can help make those connections with Drew and with Joe, I'm I'm more than happy to do so. Totally looking forward to it, Ryan. Thank you so much, and. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll try and catch up soon. Likewise. Thank you. That was Ryan Moore for Moore Park High School. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. If you have any suggestions for the show, please hit me up on Twitter at Tony Moskal or via email at TonyMoskal at gmail.com. Crazy times out there with the coronavirus. Everybody stay safe, stay inside. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.